The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began listening to a sermon entitled, What Primitive Baptists Believe. We were looking at what primitive Baptists don't believe, because it's important to understand that there's a difference between primitive Baptist theology and what the religious world teaches. Today, we hear the conclusion of that sermon, and we're going to see some more things that we don't believe, but we're also going to set forth what we do believe which is the simple message of the gospel, that Jesus saved his people from their sins, and he's coming back to get them someday. We're going to have a song selection first that we hope will be uplifting and that you will enjoy. Please stay tuned for the conclusion of the message entitled, What Primitive Baptists Believe.
Two chapters over, in chapter 7 and verse 9, we're, we're told by John, John beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man can number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb. Beloved, you can't number with a human mind uh, the number of people that are going to be in heaven. It's a vast multitude and it's, a, it's folks from every walk of life, from every nation, you'll find children of God there. Every people, you'll find children of God there. Every kindred, you'll find children of God there. Every language, tongue you'll find children of God from there and it says they were clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and under the lamb yes beloved it's a vast multitude that no man can number don't ever let anybody tell you members of Zion Church that you believe in a chosen few because you don't the Bible doesn't teach that sometimes I get this question Preacher, what about, what about my case where I'm a struggling sinner, but I believe in Christ. I trust Him. I trust that He's the Savior that I need, and I want to be with Him. I have a desire for Christ. What, what about that person? Well, let me, let me tell you this. Primitive Baptists do not believe that there's anyone out there who desires and trusts Christ who will be in hell one day. They say, I had one person ask me one time, I just struggle, I hope I'm going, I want to go to heaven so bad, but I just, is it the case that, it, that, that, that I just can't go uh, if I wasn't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? What about that person who is out there? They say, isn't there somebody out there who is wanting to go to heaven with a sincere heart, desiring Christ with a sincere heart, and yet because they weren't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, they're going to hell. I say unto you, that is a fictional character. <laughs> that person does not exist. If there's anyone out there who has a desire for Christ in their hearts, who is wanting to be in heaven with Him, who is, sees themselves as the sinners that they are and is convicted by that sin, let me tell you, beloved, that's the strongest evidence there is that they're children of God, that's right. that they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. We do not believe that someone out there who trusts Christ with a sincere heart is yet going to hell. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 clears that up pretty well. It says the natural man, now that's the, the man who's only been born in nature. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And he goes on to tell a little bit more about it. He says there are two things. There are foolishness unto him. It says neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. So, so the one who's not been born again, the one who's only been born in nature, two things about that person. First of all, these things I'm preaching to you this morning or any preacher anywhere that says the name of Jesus, anything they're preaching to him about him, they're foolishness unto him. He's not interested in those things. And the second thing is this. It's not a matter of educating him. <laughs> Something else has got to happen to him because he cannot see them. He cannot know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. Think about this. We've had several funerals in this old church through the years. And the undertaker always lays the casket out here. Often they'll have an open casket and the person will be laying there uh, dead in the casket. 
And, and how foolish would it be for me as a preacher to come down from here and to start trying to strike up a conversation with this person? What if I picked up this glass of water and walked down to the casket and said, here, you want some water? Y'all think I was crazy. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> I would be. Because that man's dead to the things in the physical realm. That man's not alive and cannot receive things physically. That's the definition of death is that they cease to function in the realm to which they're dead. Same thing happens on a spiritual level. One who is spiritually dead is inoculated to and immune to and not interested in the things of God. They're foolishness unto him, and he can't know them anyway. <laughs> We're in such a condition in our human nature, beloved, that we would not come to him if we could. And we could not come to him if we would. Jesus himself said in John chapter 6, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me drawing. But praise God, he says, All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. <laughs> and I will raise him up the last day. That's not coming to him and joining the church or being baptized. That's coming to him in the new birth. Remember what Romans 8 verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Whom he did predestinate, then he also called that's the calling of the holy spirit before the new birth there is no spiritual life but afterwards there is life you know when the baby's born he doesn't start crying to get born he cries because he's been born and that's what we're talking about here there is there is no one out there who is crying out with a sincere heart to the lord who's not already been born again spiritually Amen. you see that's, that's, the, that's the glory. I tell you, that's, I'm just, I'm fast forwarding a little more than I intended, but let me tell you, that's the beauty of understanding the truth of God's grace. Because I don't know about you. I'm not asking for a show of hands. I want you to think about it, Sydney. How many times this morning have you committed a sin? Hmm? I mean, I don't even want to admit it to you. I, I, I could multiple times already this morning a wicked thought has come through my mind or, or I did something or said something I shouldn't do. And beloved, that's sin in the mind of God and it deserves death and hell. How many times even this day have you done? Beloved, I need a God who loved me more than to just cast me away because I can't live the way he says that I need to live. Now listen, I need to try. And he talks about it. we're ordained unto good works that we should walk in them. He didn't say we shall walk in them. That'd be absolute predestination. He just said we've ordained to good works that we ought to. We should walk in them. But we're not walking in them to try to get to heaven. I cannot work my way to heaven, beloved. Because I don't have the ability. There was a thief on a cross. There was a thief on a cross. And I want you to understand something. There were two thieves, actually. One on each side of Jesus. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 44. Sometime turn there and look at it and you'll see that after calling the roll of all those people that were passing by and they were mocking and cursing him and, and, and making fun of Jesus, it says the thieves, plural, that means both of them. The thieves also cast the same in his teeth. They were doing the same thing. So you didn't have one, you know, I always heard you had one good thief, one bad thief. No, you had two bad thieves. You had two wicked men on the cross, Okay. There wasn't one with a little tender heart and one with a hard heart. There were two with hard hearts. And then sometime in the middle 
of the Lord Jesus Christ hanging there for six hours on that cross, something changed in the heart of one of those thieves. One of them kept cursing him and kept swearing at him and kept mocking him and said, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. He was still thinking about himself. The other one, you know what? Who had been saying the same thing. Suddenly, something changed. And he said, don't you see, man? We're getting exactly what we deserve, but this man had done nothing amiss. And then he made a statement. You th- you, people sometimes say, well, he was saved after he called on him. Let me, let me tell you something. He was saved before he called on him. Okay? He wouldn't have called on him if he hadn't already been born of the Spirit because that, the greatest statement of faith we find anywhere in the Word of God is, found, is made by that thief there on the cross when he looked at this man whose visage was so marred beyond any man who had been beaten, had been scourged, had, his hair had been plucked out of his face. He looked like nothing he looked nothing like a king. He looked nothing like one with a kingdom. And lady looked at him and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't look like a king. He didn't look like a lord. But the heart of faith that the Holy Spirit had given this man saw something different. He said, Lord, remember me. Now, you know what the Lord said? He looked at him and he said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I believe that thief was born of the Spirit right there on the cross, Brother Mackie. I believe he was born again right there. Not after he called on him, but before. Because a baby don't start crying until he's born. His poor mom and daddy probably thought he's in hell. I don't know if they ever even read the book of Luke. Probably didn't. They probably went to their graves. And if they were children of God, woke up in heaven and said, Oh my goodness, he's here. <laughs> I can't believe this. How did you make it, son? You were a robber and a thief and a brigand. And up there on the cross, I even heard you cursing and swearing at the Lord. What happened to you? And all he could say is, could he say, Well, I turned my life around, daddy. No, he couldn't say that. Oh, I, I got baptized, Daddy. No, he couldn't say that. <laughs> well, I just, uh, uh, you know, I got educated enough to where I learned that this man was something different than what he said. No, he couldn't say that. But what he could say is it's grace, grace unto it. That's what he could say. It was the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that got me to where I am today. Oh, praise God. That's the kind of, that's the kind of good news that I need on a day like today. So, What do we believe? Well, I've kind of covered most of that, but let me just say it this way. We're not Calvinists. We don't believe all those things that John Calvin taught, but we're not Arminians either. We don't believe that you and I have the ability to get ourselves to heaven, either through our choices or through our actions. See, what we believe is real simple. We believe that before time, God knew that we would need a Savior, and he provided one for us. Matthew 121 For she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. You know only a great God like our God could think up something like that. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 Paul begins this letter here saying blessed be God and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Look at all the blessings he's laying out. And then he goes to the the one thing that's the most important thing for us 
to understand the blessings of God according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Before time, God knew that we would need a Savior In time, in God's time, that Savior came and accomplished our salvation. You know what He said on the cross in John chapter 19 and verse 30? The last thing He said was, it is finished. (laughs) Praise God, I believe that. It was finished on the cross. He accomplished our salvation. And I'll tell you, in, in your life as a child of God, we believe the Holy Spirit will quicken you and make you alive. John 5, 25, Jesus says, Behold, the hour is coming, and now is, when they which are dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. You know, I'm thankful it's that way. I'm thankful it's not the preacher's voice that quickens one. I'm thankful it's the voice of the Son of God, because that's the voice that can enter the womb of the mother who's about to abort her child. And quicken that one and make him. You know, nobody's saved any different than anybody else. We're told in John chapter 3, verse 8, I believe it is, that the new birth is like the wind. It blows where it listeth, uh, and you can't tell where it's coming or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. We read about an in-womb new birth, don't we? We read about it in Luke chapter 1, where Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was heavy with child, went to see Elizabeth, her her cousin who was also had John the Baptist in her womb and the child leaped for joy in his mother's womb. I believe that at some point between conception and death, every child of God will be born again just like John the Baptist by the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you something else. Soon, very soon, he's coming back to get his children. He tells us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, Behold, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I believe that's coming very soon. That's, that's what we believe. You say, Preacher, don't you have to accept him to go to heaven? I read in the Word of God nowhere about that. But I do read that we're made accepted in the Beloved. You say, don't your good works have to outweigh your bad works? I hope not. I hope not. Because I'm, I'm out of luck. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 that our righteousnesses, that means every good work we could do, is but filthy rags in the sight of God. Have you ever done anything completely good? You know, you say, well, I gave money here and I did that. I helped my neighbor out. Well, did you do it without any taint of sin? Did you have, you know, I I always go back to to, to several things in my life where I gave money to somebody on the street and I did this. Boy, I was so proud of myself. (laughs) See the problem? Pride. Always, oh boy, I did a good deed. There's nothing I've ever done, no decision I've ever made that wasn't somehow tainted with the sin of Adam. Say, preacher, don't don't you have to pray for salvation? I believe in a, in a sinner's prayer. I just don't believe in a prayer that a sinner who's dead in sins can pray. <laughs> if you're dead in sins, the Bible says you, don't, you think those things are foolish. See, I, I've heard it put this way before. Let me, let me ask you this first. Why would you pray for salvation when you don't believe you need to be saved? 
Why would you? Why would you pray for any salvation when you don't believe you need to be saved? The burden of sin, think about it this way. I, I believe in being burdened by sin. I believe in the conviction of sin. But think about it this way, beloved. You take a thousand pound weight and you place it on the chest of a man who's dead. You ain't got no problems, do you? He's not going to say anything. He's not worried about that. He don't feel it. But you take that same weight and you put it on the chest of somebody who's alive and they're going to feel that weight. They're going to struggle with that weight. They're going to start crying out for someone to remove that weight. You see, life has to precede light of any kind. We have light, but we only have it because we've been made alive. Don't you have to believe in Him? Well, you sure ought to. But I read over in Romans chapter 3 that there were some people that didn't. It says, What advantage then, verse 1, hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because unto them were give, committed the oracles of God. And remember, the Jews weren't being faithful in this day. In verse 3, he says, For what if some did not believe? You know what the answer of the world is? They're going to bust hell wide open. That's the answer the world gives them. You know what the answer the Bible gives us? What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. You know what he's saying there, basically? You know, sometimes we think of people in the world as either believers or unbelievers. Let me tell you something. I'm both. There was a man that came to Jesus. He said, Lord, my, my daughter's dying. Can you come help me? And, and Jesus looked at him and said, all things are possible if you believe. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. You know what he was saying there? He was saying, Lord, I, I, I'm believing as much as I can. I'm trying real hard. There are days when I feel like I'm at your feet. There are days when I feel like I'm holding on to the very cross of Calvary. And then there are days when I feel myself to be an outcast stranger here on earth. I'm both believer and unbeliever. And I'm thankful that the days when I'm not believing like I should. Do you ever worry? you ever get stressed out? You're an unbeliever, okay? <laughs> That's what believing is, is having faith. You're not, if you're stressed out and you're worried, you're not believing and trusting in Him. <laughs> There's days when I'm both, beloved. There's more days that I'm not, seemed like, than that I am. But what He says is, Shall that, their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Praise God. He loved us before the foundation of the world. And you know, He's not going to let us go. <laughs> he loved us so much. You know, I, I like that story, Brother Mackey. I, I, that, that's the kind of love story. You know, I'm, I'm not into these chick flicks. You know, I'm not really... Hallmark movies at Christmas, I always dread them. You know, here we go again. But I want to tell you, this is a... This is a chick flick I can get into, okay? <laughs> because it's, it tells about a wedding. It tells about a, a bridegroom. It tells about a bride. And, and what's so beautiful, Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3 says, Behold, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. This is an everlasting love. It, it began before time. And in that eternity past, it led us right up to a point where a man named Jesus 
hung for six hours on the cross and divided eternity in two. And on this side of the cross, we've got eternity future. And praise God, every single one that He loved before the foundation of the world is going to be with Him in eternity future. You know, this life, I don't know about you, but it's pretty tough. My experience has been it's not easy. And the older I get, the harder it gets. Seems like all I do lately is spend my time in doctor's offices. I heard you hear Brother Mackey complaining about that. I'm, I'm about, about like Brother Mackey lately. Going to the doctor all day. Going to the next doctor all day. I don't think it's going to get much better. Solomon, the, the wisest man besides Jesus that ever walked this earth, said that um, vanity of vanities, all is vanity here under the sun. In verse 14 of chapter 1, he says, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. I, I experienced that. But I got a better story for you than that. I got an everlasting love affair. It began before the foundation of the world. It was culminated on Calvary. And it will be fulfilled. And you, child of God, if you're one who struggles in this life, and you find yourself to be a pilgrim and sojourner in a strange land, and you struggle with your sin, and you hate your sin, and you love the Lord, and you want to be with Him, let me tell you something, beloved. That's the strongest evidence I know that you're going to live happily ever after. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. I want to let you in on a little secret. You're not glorified yet. But in the mind and purpose of God, he calls it as if it's already done. Because one day, and I hope it's before we pray our closing prayer, he's going to come back and bring us home to be with him. And he'll say, behold, I and the children thou hast given me. That's, that's what primitive Baptists believe. That's what we believe the Bible to teach. That's what this church has stood on down the ages of time. I thank you for your kind attention. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.